Hello, my name is Liz Earle and I am a well-being specialist with a special interest in midlife women, hormone health and mental health. And I have five children and I want peak health and happiness. Welcome to Peak 40, the podcast that brings you the tips, tactics and stories for living your best life in midlife. If you're in your mid-30s to 50s, Peak 40 is the place to get actionable advice on the nuances of nutrition, training, recovery, and mindset in midlife. For the full experience and other valuable resources, register for the Peak 40 weekly newsletter at drbubs.com forward slash peak 40 to enhance your lifestyle and start making midlife your best life. Welcome back or welcome to the Peak 40 podcast. I'm your host, Mark Bubbs, and we're back for another block of episodes here in season number two. My guest today is Liz Earle, a British writer, TV presenter, and award-winning entrepreneur. She's written over 35 books on beauty, nutrition, and well-being, and is a familiar face in the health and wellness industry. Liz is the founder of Liz Earle Wellbeing, a bi-monthly magazine, and Liz Earle Fair and Fine, a fair trade jewelry brand, and she also co-founded the skincare company, Liz Earl Beauty Co. Today, we're talking about menopause and insights from Liz's recent best-selling book, The Good Menopause Guide. Before we get started, a quick announcement. Three times a year, we run our Peak 40 Nutrition Coaching Groups, and our spring 2022 group is kicking off this May. If you're feeling stuck with your health, your body composition, or a nagging chronic health issue, Peak 40 Coaching has got you covered. Nutrition, training, mindset, and lifestyle changes are all key pillars of the 12-week program. What are clients saying about the program? 37-year-old Admas, operational due diligence manager, says, The Peak 40 program was a refreshing way to build good habits I could carry with me into the long term. It was about making small, sustainable choices that help you take off the weight and keep it off. I love that it gives you the flexibility to mix things up and isn't so rigid. You're not counting calories, and you get to enjoy the foods you love. Once again, Peak 40 Coaching is open for men and women, and you can save $100 off the cost of the program before May 13th with the code SPRING2022. Head over to drbubs.com forward slash peak40 to learn more and hear more about the client success stories. All right, let's get started. My conversation with Liz Earle. Liz, really appreciate you carving out some time today. Oh, it's such a pleasure to be with you, really, and, and to connect. You know, I'm here in Kenya, and I brought your books with me because I love them. So it's lovely to be chatting in person. Fabulous. Well, listen, I'm, I'm jealous of you topping up your vitamin D in, uh, in, yep. in Kenya, whilst the rest of us are trying to take our supplements here. But uh, listen, before we get started and dive into today's topic, I'd love to have you tell listeners a little bit more about your background. I know folks in the UK will be very familiar, but in the US and Canada, can you give us a little whirlwind tour of your background before we get started? Sure. So I started writing about health and well-being and beauty and looking good, feeling well more than 30 years ago and uh, working in television. I've had my own TV shows, do a lot on radio and set up a beauty company, which kind of overtook everything for a few years. And uh, that was sold back in 2010, which meant that I could go back to my original passions of writing about well-being. And I now publish a magazine. I have my own podcast, do lots online and love it. I'm very much into evidence-based information, particularly for midlife women like me. 
I'm in my 50s and I think there's so much that we can do to have a better second half and that's really what my work is all about now. Tremendous. Well, I mean, this podcast is all about, you know, building your best life and midlife. And of course, the challenges and the demands and all the things that are happening in midlife and with career, with kids, you've got five kids. Can you tell us a little bit about, you know, when your kids were younger, when career's busy, what are some of the biggest roadblocks and challenges for you at that time? Oh, my goodness. Well, I mean, my eldest, she's now 31. So, you know, it's going back quite a long way. And, you know, it was it was tricky. Um, it's always a juggle. And I think, you know, for any brand founder, entrepreneur, you know, you're very stretched. And I think over the years, what I've realized is that technology can be such an asset, particularly to for working women who have to juggle school timetables and care and all that kind of thing. And it's um, yeah, I mean, it is. What can I say? I mean, it's it's a juggle. And, you know, I kind of think if it's mostly right most of the time then that's good you know it's kind of let's have a bit of progress not perfection because we can really beat ourselves up when things don't go quite the way that we want but it's about living life in balance I think you know prioritizing the things that are important and finding little ways to make life easier and and prioritizing things like sleep you know which Mm -hmm. is just so important especially during parenthood yeah I mean I've heard some great quotes about you know, we always hear about keeping the balls in the air. And of course, some people say, well, it's okay if, so if some balls fall along the way, you know, if we break a few plates, it's gonna, it's part of the whole process. And, you know, I work a lot in men's health and in midlife, andropause is slower, it's progressive. It's, it's, it's very unnoticeable almost, unless you're paying attention to various symptoms. Whereas, you know, for women in midlife, menopause is much more pronounced. Yeah. And so you've written a, a best-selling book, The Good Menopause Guide, what was the catalyst for you uh, in, in wanting to write that? Well, I think I just became very aware um, five or six years ago when I started writing it, that it was almost a taboo subject. I mean, it is getting a bit more airtime now, but even just mentioning the word menopause, it was almost like a, a hushed word. And it mm. had this negative connotation of somebody who was past it and decrepit and you know unreliable losing their brain losing their faculties no sense of worth in society and I just really wanted to explore that and change that narrative because certainly that wasn't how I felt and I was particularly concerned about the misinformation about the safety of HRT hormone replacement therapy mm-hmm. and just wanted to bring to everybody's attention the fact that women run on hormones and particularly estrogen and our estrogen levels start to decline in our 40s and it's not just menopause you know when it stops menopause is the actual menstruation pausing but it's the time leading up to that which is typically in our 40s when we don't really think about menopause we don't think it's going to happen to us we think it's something that's for much older women but actually that gradual decline of of estrogen brings with it so many symptoms that we might not connect you know for me I never had a hot flush I never you know those sort of typical hot flashes that people talk about Um, but I did have crippling headaches and joint pain and tinnitus and dry skin and mood changes and insomnia all of which are classic signs of being low in estrogen and I just wanted to make people more aware really men and women because I think the guys need to know what their girls are going through. Absolutely. I mean, estrogen plays a big role in men's health as well, which maybe we'll circle back to. But in terms of even 
when we look at menopause, as estrogen levels fall, um, you know, big impact on bone density. So we see that, you know, the breakdown of bone tends to accelerate. And of course, that makes nutrition and movement exercise really key um, in our in midlife for everybody, but particularly here for yourself on the nutrition front, were there certain changes or areas that you, you focus on, whether it's, you know, in the book or in your own uh, regime? Yeah. Definitely. I think I'm a big advocate of eating healthy fats, you know, high fats, healthy fats, low sugar. So, you know, fats have been so demonized over the years. And actually for women, going low fat in middle life particularly is such a bad idea because fat is the mothership of our hormones. So cholesterol, for example, is a very necessary component of the body from which we can make all our healthy hormones. So for me, having more attention on the good fats, extra virgin olive oil, I'm a big fan of eating eggs, I'm a big fan of fermented foods for gut health, things like kefir and live yogurt. You know, these are so important for not only hormone creation, but as you say, you know, bone density, muscle mass, having more protein, fewer carbs and sugars, but more of the healthy fats and the protein. Yeah, it's tremendous. I mean, you mentioned things like eggs and yogurt, and all of a sudden we're getting our protein and our calcium and our vitamin D all in one yeah. package to really support bone and, you know, and muscle loss, which, you know, we know as we age, that's a good marker for longevity is maintaining muscle mass. And so great way to be able to get those in, you know, on the, on the exercise front, are there certain changes to your regime that you found, you know, impactful, or, you know, you mentioned obviously yeah. joint pain and discomfort can be a big one. And all of a sudden we, for some people, they stop moving as much or they mm -hmm. can't do certain activities and that can in and of itself end up in a bit of a downward cycle. How did that impact you? Definitely. And I think I didn't realize that we have estrogen receptors all over our bodies. So the reason that we get, you know, memory loss and brain fog is because we lose estrogen from our brains. One of the reasons why we can get achy joints and, and stiff, stiff and soreness in the knees, for example, which might preclude us from doing so much exercise is because those estrogen receptors in the bone and the muscles um, are lacking in their fundamental hormones. So it becomes a really, awful self-fulfilling prophecy that you feel more achy therefore you do less yeah. because you feel that you can't and therefore you know you, you get weaker and, and and you get worse so for me personally you know replacing my estrogen has been absolutely key and it's given me a lot more energy and strength and what I do now is I do a bit of running I actually took up running in my 50s but I thought I'd never run I'm just mm, I'm not athletic I'm I'm the worst candidate for sports. I've never played sports. I don't particularly enjoy the gym, but I found running to be very good for my mind as a clearing a bit of headspace. And, you know, I don't run very far and I don't run very fast, but I do get out, you know, most days if I can, even if it's just for a quick mile, um, you know, or 3K, something like that. I try and do a 5K maybe once, once a week at the weekend. Um, but also I've taken up weights and this has also been a bit of a revelation nice <laughs> you know partly to build muscle mass and i'm aware that you've got to kind of use it or lose it and i want to keep my health and vitality well into older age but also it makes me feel good you know that just just lifting weights and that that endorphin rush and i love it because it's very time efficient you know i can yeah. do five ten minutes of hit you know some weighted squats some push-ups using my own body weight 
and my body shape has changed. I'm, you know, my arms are in much better shape now in my 50s than they were in my 20s. And I'd oh, never awesome. have believed that, never have believed it. Yeah, it's tremendous, isn't it? How we get that movement in and, and blood flow to areas. And like you said, it's easy to, if we get stiffness or sore back or sore knees, we, we want to protect them by doing less, but then all of a sudden it can be, it can get you know, worse and worse with inactivity. And so getting out and moving and all of a sudden you can build up the miles and it's great to see running is tremendous, isn't it? Because you don't just get out. It's not just the actual aerobic conditioning, but even getting outside into nature, there's an effect there and the mindset piece. Can you maybe speak a little bit to that? Definitely. I mean, I've written quite a lot actually about biophilia and being out in you know, a forest bathing, just the mm -hmm. impact on the brain of being out in a green space whether it's a garden or a park or a woodland. And the way that the brain sees these natural shapes, these things called fraxels, which are these naturally recurring patterns in nature, like the patterns of leaves or the patterns of blades of grass or petals on a flower, and how we are just automatically wired to respond to these and how being out in nature can reduce our stress levels, lower cortisol, improve serotonin and dopamine, improve mood, improve memory, cognitive function, creativity. You know, they've shown that just being outside in a green space for 20 minutes a day can dramatically impact the creative thinking. So anybody working in the creative world, whether they're, you know, writing or drawing or just coming up with ideas, it's, it's just so important. And I think one of the devastations about lockdowns has been keeping people indoors and actually, we need to be outside. We need to be outside for our mental health, for our respiratory system, for our vitamin D on the skin. You know, so many reasons why it's important to throw off the masks and get outside for a bit of exercise. Absolutely. Yeah, it seems to be one of the suggestions that was maybe a little bit self-limiting of keeping people, oh. preventing them from even getting outside to actually exercise and banning the playgrounds and all these kind of things. And, you know, you mentioned being outside obviously helps to lower, yeah, cortisol, stress hormones that plays a big role in midlife as well. And we talk about menopause because, you know, as the ovaries are producing less and less estrogen, the adrenal glands produce some. And if we're run down and stressed and lack of sleep, all these things compound. And, you know, in my practice, I see clients who have struggled with higher stress load or anxiety type symptoms have struggled more with, with menopausal symptoms. Yeah. Can you speak to maybe what some of your readers or what you've experienced in that? Yeah, definitely. And, you know, I think that you can't underestimate the importance of estrogen and the impact every part of your body, you know, every cell in the body is impacted by estrogen. So when we start to lose it, everything suffers. I mean, for me, it's interesting that you mentioned sleep. My real symptom, the one that sent me running to the doctor was insomnia because I've always slept well and you know I'm mm -hmm. a bit of a multitasker I have five kids I run different businesses I used to run a farm I have a charity you know there's lots and lots going yeah. on and I can do all of that you know to, to you know greater or lesser effect only if I sleep you know sleep for me is a total non-negotiable it improves our immune system it's really important for longevity it's when we do our renewal processes so anybody that has disrupted sleep is at a serious disadvantage. And for me, you know, I'll be really honest with you, when I, when I went and I got my estrogen gel, the very first time I rubbed it on at night, I remember rubbing it on thinking, well, I'm not sure this is going to work or how long this is going to take. Mm -hmm. I slept well for the first time in almost 10 years. I mean, it was wow. instant, instant, that replacement of the estrogen 
and my body just sucked it up and was able to relax and rejuvenate. I didn't get the heart palpitations. I remember listening to Oprah Winfrey actually, and she had, when she was going through perimenopause, she had lots of heart palpitations. And obviously she's mm-hmm. got access to amazing medics, you know, the best, Absolutely. best in the States, anybody. Yeah. And she saw so many cardiologists and had ECGs and all of this because of this uh, racing heartbeat. And it was only when she interviewed a menopause expert on her show who happened to mention that heart palpitations were a sign of lowered estrogen that she joined the dots. And you know, I speak to so many women who have been for cardiograms and ECGs and have been referred to rheumatologists and been put on anti-arthritis drugs and all of this. And you just think, oh my goodness, just try replacing your estrogen and, and see what happens because it has such an impact. And unfortunately women aren't aware of it but also so many medics aren't aware of it either yeah i was going to say circling back to you know using hrt when at what point in your journey was that did that become you know the therapeutic option that you wanted to pursue or that you became aware of that was going to be able to you know as you alluded to you know the first time using it sleep has improved and already you're feeling this benefit yeah i i started i guess in my early 50s looking back i wish i'd started earlier i had terrible headaches in my 40s and you know, I was selling a company, I was living on transatlantic flights fueled by caffeine and probably too many cocktails and jet lag so and all of that and stress. Easy to think it's a lot of other things yeah, then, right? Absolutely. I, I just thought I was stressed out and burnt out. And it was only really through researching my book um, that I became aware of my own symptoms. That was a real mm. light, bulb, light bulb moment. And I remember saying to the medics I was interviewing, yeah, but HRT, that's so dangerous. It causes breast cancer. And, you know, I can't talk about that. And they said, Liz, you are so wrong. You know, those studies, the Women's Health Initiative study, which is nearly 20 years ago now, was so discredited. And the information that was published was just so inaccurate. And, you know, thankfully now it has been widely acknowledged as being incredibly detrimental because women back then just literally overnight stopped taking replacement hormones and the Mm. impact on their health you know things like osteoporosis for example you know the rates have rocketed because we need estrogen to to keep our bones strong and you know i I was just aware that 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 this, this growing sense of injustice inside of me that women for the last 20 years particularly have been so let down by poor information. And because of that, a lot of doctors stopped prescribing and they became sure. less confident. And they were just, I think, seduced by the headlines in the tabloid saying that you know hormone replacement was dangerous. I mean, why on earth you would think that replacing your own natural hormones would be harmful is, is staggering. But you know, thankfully that, that narrative is changing through you know, not only my work, but the work of so many others and things like the menopause charity and there's a great app called balance which is free it's global and any woman can download it and access good evidence-based information now tremendous and when you started taking hrt was there a period of figuring out the dosage in terms of the amount because i think sometimes that's something that you know clients or women will report to me of just you know what's that onboarding process like what was that like for you that's a really good question and HRT is, is, can be sensitive and can be tricky because it isn't a case of, you know, one size fits all. Yeah. I was lucky, you know, I got it right pretty much straight away. I don't actually absorb estrogen very well topically. So mm-hmm. for the gel, they normally say sort of two pumps, three pumps, four pumps. 
I was like up to seven or eight pumps of gel because okay. my body isn't absorbing it very well. So I now find that the patches are actually better because they're on your skin 24 seven and they tend to have a better absorption rate. So it is trial and error. You know, you, you may be lucky like me, you may, you know, pretty much benefit from, from day one. Otherwise it can take average. It's about three months maybe for your body to adjust. And if you've been low in estrogen for many years, you will find that you may get a bit of bloating. You may get some breast tenderness and swelling. You may get a little bit of intermittent spotting, bleeding. You know, this is just your body adjusting to having its own hormones back. Mm -hmm. And, you know, usually that settles down within two or three months. I mean, you may be lucky. I, I didn't have any symptoms straight away. I just, um, you know, bad symptoms. I just had relief of the symptoms mm -hmm. that, uh, that were bothering me. And interestingly, the effects tend to build over time. So I hadn't realized that hearing loss and tinnitus was associated with low estrogen. Yep. And, you know, when you think about it, if we've got estrogen receptors everywhere, that includes the ear and the inner ear. And I can remember in my mid 40s, getting the beginnings of tinnitus, which just got worse and thinking, oh, my goodness, you know, is this going to be a life sentence for me now? Am I going to have to live with this awful fizzing and, and crackling in my ears and then after about a year of being on HRT I suddenly realized that my tinnitus had gone completely and I had perfect hearing and I never even thought about it and actually there's now quite a lot online that you can look up and, and see that actually tinnitus and hearing loss is one of the very common side effects of menopause if you don't replace your estrogen. Yeah it's definitely one of those symptoms or conditions that we don't tend to think much about but it's actually quite debilitating in a sense of the, just the constant humming and in, inside one's head is not uh it's, it's tough to live with for more than a few days let alone months or years driving um, crazy literally yeah yeah and you know in terms of again you know your book and and readers in your community what are some of the other common symptoms that people are coming to you with in terms of around was it perimenopause menopause that, that tend to be you know the more um, debilitating or the ones that are struggling with I think mental health changes, depression, low mood. When you lose estrogen, you tend to feel very flat. So you can be, you can lose your emotions, you can lose your joy. You know, you can just be this flat being and nothing really excites you or engages you. And for some, this can be really life-threatening. You know, it can plunge you deep, deep down into a big spiral of depression. And it's a sad fact that the most common age of suicide in women is 51. And no coincidence mm. that the average age of menopause is also 51. And I think there needs to be much greater awareness. There's a lot of chat in my community about mental health issues. Everything from loss of memory and brain fog, you know, doing weird things like putting your car keys in the fridge or just forgetting where everything yeah. is flashes of rage you know uncontrolled rage you know where you know the person next to you just their breathing you find unbelievably irritating <laughs> and of course that's not great for relationships you know a lot of relationships yeah. a lot of marriages break down around this time so i think being aware of mental health changes is really important i wish that psychiatrists were much more aware rather than just prescribing antidepressants which would just numb everything make you feel even flatter um, what you want is you want to get your, your joie de vivre back. You want to, to feel those highs and lows and, and to feel 
energized and calm and that, that you're clearly thinking, that you're clear headed again and have that clarity and crispness of thought that we had when we were younger. Yeah, it's amazing how obviously the reduction in estrogen is going to be impacting this, but the other things we've talked about here were you know, nutrition, movement, sleep. Yeah. You know, unfortunately, people are struggling with poor metabolic health, right? Two thirds of the population are gaining weight and that elevates blood sugar levels, which worsens, you know, low, low mood and yeah. unfortunately increases inflammation, which can contribute to this whole sort of terrain. So it is amazing some of the things that you've touched on them. You know, in your book as well around how we can change our nutrition and get some more movement in and mm -hmm. improve sleep and while that might not completely resolve the mindset piece it does raise the playing field to be able to then you know to your point find some other strategies rather than just you know here's an antidepressant which we know you know at the end of a year we're not doing any better than exercise for for improvements Definitely. And I think, you know, I, I've done a lot of research into this area and I wrote another book actually called The Good Gut Guide, talking mm. about gut health, because that's also hugely impactful, you know, as you know, for metabolic health, for brain, for process of inflammation, improving the, the strength of the epithelial wall in the gut and the microbiome. I talk a lot about fermented foods, drinking kefir, kombucha, having huge variety, diversity. And then interesting things like uh, herbs, so saffron, for example, which is the crocus extract, uh -huh. shown clinically in trials to be as effective as Prozac. If yeah, it's incredible, isn't it? In, in the right quantity. I love that stuff. Uh -huh. And also improving mood, so all kinds of mental health issues, ADD, ADHD, you know, it's something you can get kids versions for, it's safe and has this very interesting like turmeric anti-inflammatory effect that, that we can take. So I think we're seeing more emphasis, hopefully coming through on some of these botanicals and really interesting time-honored herbs and spices that can help. Yeah, it's, it's tremendous in terms of the potential for different strategies to be able to support. And it's nice when we have, a, you know, the nice thing of a complex problem is we need to be looking at all these different areas rather than just thinking, like in an emergency medicine situation where here's the one medication for the one condition versus, you know, you could have 10 people struggling with mood and, and there's 10 different reasons or 10 different collection of reasons why that is. So, you know, that, that, that's tremendous. And if we flip the mindset piece to just talk about what you started the conversation with of, you know, all these goals and things we want to achieve in, in 40s, 50s, 60s beyond, how does the mindset shift, um, in, in midlife how has that been over the last few years for you i i'm very excited about what i seem i call very often the the, the second half and you know if we think about our lives um you know particularly women who tend to be the ones that have the kids and rear them alongside maybe careers and caring for older parents etc you know if you think about how many years you live as an adult so if you take, say, from the age of 18, because before 18, we're growing, we're kids and we're at some full time school, most likely, and we're under the control of our parents. So, you know, we're not really our own um, formed adult being. So sort of from the age of 18 onwards, by the time you get to, say, 50, you know, you'll have, you know, 30 years or so um, of adulthood, of being who you are. And most of those years will be taken up looking after other people you know, or developing your career or whatever it is. It won't necessarily be focused on you. Then if you take the age of 50 and if you think, okay, so I've had 30 years to get to where I am, what do the next 30 look like? 
You know, this really is mm -hmm. the next half. You know, the average age life expectancy here in the UK, I think it's 82 for men and 84 for women. So, you know, you're not even halfway through when you think about it like that. How do we want to live? And, you know, that's why I think addressing things like mental health, addressing replacement hormones is so important. We're living longer than ever before. In the old days, we'd be dead by 60. So it wouldn't really matter if our bones had crumbled and our mental health had declined mm. because we weren't really expected to do any more. But if we're going to thrive, you know, not just survive, but thrive through the next 30 years, how do we make that happen? And I think what's really exciting for people, you know, like you and me who work in the world of wellness and well-being, sharing this information is it's incredibly empowering because it's very positive. And a little change can make a big difference and can make a big difference, not just for now, but literally for the rest of your life. So it's not just about living longer. It's about living well so that we can enjoy not just more years on our life, but, you know, life in our years. Yeah, that notion of health span versus lifespan of not just living to a certain age, but really being healthy. And as you say, being able to thrive and being able to do all the things that you want to do throughout and on that notion of mindset, are there certain mindset skills or practices that you use? Because I know for a lot of clients and patients, whilst it's nice to have the goals that are in the future, sometimes a lot of that future state thinking can, can lead to some fears or some anxieties. Do you have certain mindset techniques or breathing that you like to do to keep you focused yeah, in the present? Um, a bit. And, and you're absolutely right. I'm, I, I'm guilty of living too much in the future. It's always the next thing, the next thing. It's, you know, as a journalist, it's a deadline. It's the next thing, the next recording, the next... Um, you know, project. And so I do have to try and think of physically bringing myself back into the moment and just being and being present and enjoying because this is the now. This is the only thing that's real, actually, is, is the absolute now. So during lockdown, I discovered various apps, um, things like Calm, things like, you know, meditation apps. And mm -hmm. I do tend to, first thing in the morning, uh, sit up in bed with a cup of tea and I have an LED mask that I wear for my skin and I, I switch on an app, center myself, do my breathing, clear my mind. I have a notepad and pen by the bed. So if I do get a thought that I think, well, that's really important. I need to hang on to that so I don't forget it. I'll then just jot it down so it's done and my mind can relax. doesn't have to hang on to that for any longer. And just that clear, clear headspace has made such a difference and I was actually talking to a clinical psychiatrist not that long ago who was saying that you know the vagus nerve connecting the gut and the brain is a two-way highway so that we know that the nutrients in the gut go up to the brain and affect neurotransmitters but conversely thoughts and feelings mm -hmm. and sensations like meditation or prayer or whatever it is in the brain are transmitted back down into the gut to help our immune system and our resilience so it's about, you know, feeding that little gut microbiome with, with good stuff, but also feeding the gut microbiome with the happy thoughts and the peace and the contentment that can then create a happier microbiome for ourselves as well. Most definitely. It's amazing how, yeah, the, the 60 to 80,000 thoughts, unfortunately, a lot of them are negative and we tend to hold on to those ones and not, not on to the positive ones enough. Yeah. So to be able to reinforce those and like you said, jot things down that are worthwhile is, is, is great. And, you know, as I want to respect your time here as we, as we wrap things up for someone listening in, who's struggling with some of the symptoms that you mentioned, or might be perimenopausal or menopausal and having a challenging time, you know, what uh, advice would you, would you give? 
Oh, well, seriously, reach out and, and start doing some research. Um, I mean, obviously, my website, LizardWellbeing.com, is full of information. And I've recorded so many podcasts over the years with leading experts in all areas, whether it's general menopause chit chat or whether it's specifically looking at things like anxiety or bone density or vaginal dryness and, you know, repeat UTIs. You know, there's so many things that get affected by menopause. But have a look at the menopause charity. They've got a great website. And that's global. Also, the Balance app, uh, which is a free app, which I love, which tracks symptoms. So you can actually download a little app and you can put your symptoms in. And that's a good starting point for then going and having a consultation, perhaps with your health practitioner or your doctor to say, look, you know, these are my symptoms I've been tracking. Um, I think they could be related to lower levels of hormones. I know that replacing hormones is safe. I've done the evidence, looked at the studies. So can we have a conversation about how I can have my hormones back? Terrific. Well, I mean, those are great resources. Where are the where are the best places for people to keep in touch with yourself? Is it the website? Where can they connect with you on social media to keep up to date? Yeah. So Lizelle Me is is my Instagram, um, and also we have Lizelle Wellbeing, which is my magazine and my website, and I have a podcast, which is the Lizelle Wellbeing Show, and we usually put up two podcasts a week. So um, lots of chat and lots of ways to connect. You know, Twitter, Facebook, all the usual suspects. YouTube. <laughs> Fantastic. Well, I mean, we'll definitely include all those links in the show notes and, you know, really Thank appreciate you. you carving out some time today. And, and, you know, again, jealous that we're topping up the vitamin D, but we'll, we'll take our supplements over here and, and try to do the same. So thanks again, Liz, appreciate the time and uh, hope to chat again soon. I hope so. Thanks for having me. Thank you for listening to the peak 40 podcast. If you enjoyed the podcast, please rate review and subscribe. It's a very big help to the show. Got a question? Follow at Dr. Bubs on Instagram and send me a note in the comment section or hit reply to our weekly Peak 40 newsletter. Fantastic. Have a great week, everyone. See you next time. The Dr. Bubs Performance Podcast endeavors to provide accurate and helpful information to listeners. These podcasts cannot take into account individual circumstances and are not intended to be a substitute for health and medical advice from a qualified health professional. You should always seek the advice of a qualified health professional before acting on any of the information provided by any of the Dr. Bub's performance podcasts.